Welcome to the LHA Church Podcast. This is Jerry Galloway, and I'm the pastor of LHA Church. Thanks for joining us today. I pray this blesses you, strengthens your faith to know that God is working in your life. Enjoy the message. Let's get into the word this morning. And uh, today, I, uh, I believe the Lord has something that he wants to say to us. You know, the truth is, you and I have been called to the greatest experience there is to have, and that is a relationship with Jesus Christ. But I know this, the Bible tells us, you know, we, I just quoted to you John 10 and verse 10, the thief comes with steel, kill and destroy. Jesus said, but I've come that you may have life. I can tell you this today, the enemy doesn't like what Jesus has done or is doing in your life. The enemy's goal is to sidetrack you. The enemy's goal is to take things that have happened in your life and Situate. How many of y'all ever had some situations? He'd like to take those situations and somehow manipulate those situations to get you off course in your relationship with Christ, in your walk with Christ, in fulfilling the destiny and the plan that God has for your life. This morning I want to take a few minutes and we're going to look at the life of an individual who experience some things that you and I too have experienced. If you'll go with me to Genesis, Genesis 37, Genesis 37, and we'll begin reading in verse number one, Genesis 37 and one, Jacob lived in the land where his father had stayed, the land of Canaan. This is the account of Jacob's family line. Joseph, a young man of 17, was tending the flocks with his brothers, the sons of Bilhah and Zilpah, his father's wives. And he brought their father a bad report about them. Now Israel loved Joseph more than any of his other sons, because he had been born to him in his old age. He made an ornate robe for him. And when his brothers saw that their father loved him more than any of them, here's some emotions. They hated him and could not speak a kind word to him. Joseph had a dream, and when he told it to his brothers, they hated him all the more. You ever had some folks in your life that didn't just like you, they hated you. He said to them, listen to this dream that I had. We were binding sheaves of grain out in the field when suddenly my sheaf rose and stood upright while your sheaves gathered around mine and bowed to it. His brother said to him, Do you intend to reign over us? Will you actually rule us? Here it goes again. And they hated him all the more because of his dream and what he had said. Then he had another dream and he told that 
to his brothers. Listen, he said, I had another dream. This time the sun, moon, and 11 stars were bowing down to me. And when he told his father as well as his brothers, his father rebuked him and said, what is this dream you had? Will your mother and I and your brothers actually come and bow down to the ground before you? His brothers were jealous of him, but his father kept the matter in mind. This is a familiar story of Joseph, the son of Jacob. It's a story of a life that goes from a pit to the palace. To many, they see this story as a story of success, a, a story of turning bad things around and making the best of them. But, but I think if we'll look a little bit deeper into this story, I believe that really what we'll find is the plan of God for a young man, and not only for the young man, but for the lives this young man would touch. But I, I have to tell you, there's a disclaimer up front God doesn't always do things like we think he should. God didn't do everything like Joseph thought it would be, and God won't do everything like you think he'll do it. In fact, sometimes God will just flat out mess your plans up. Because God is not about our comfort. God is about his plan. And you and I see in the moment, but God looks beyond the moment and sees into the future. We find Joseph's story opens up in Genesis 37. And when we find his story, it's a dream that God gave to Joseph. And as he related to his brothers... We find they are filled with even more jealousy and even more hatred. I want to read that part again to you, verses 5 through 7. Joseph had a dream, and when he told it to his brothers, I want to tell you something. God is the author of dreams, and God still speaks through dreams. He said, listen. Listen to this dream that I had. We were binding sheaves of grain out in the field when suddenly my sheaf rose up and stood upright while your sheaves gathered around mine and bowed to it. We see the journey. What Joseph doesn't really understand, he sees the fulfillment of his life in a dream. Something to take notice of is that from the moment that Joseph began to verbalize his dream, there were doors of opportunity that could have detoured Joseph from God's plan. God has a plan for your life. God has a plan for my life. And if you have, if something has happened in your life that has somehow brought you to the point that you have lost sight of the fact that your life is in the plan and the purpose of God, I pray he will ignite once again that he has a plan and a purpose for you. We must understand 
The enemy's goal is to set up doors of opportunity. Doors that are meant to sidetrack you and I in the process of fulfilling God's plan for our lives. And just as we see when we look into the life of Joseph, there were many opportunities that the enemy surely could have used to sidetrack him. And what we're going to do this morning, we're going to walk through this story. And, and really, this story of, of Joseph goes uh, really from chapter 37 all the way to chapter 47. And I would encourage you this week to sit down and read through this story because it's really an incredible story of when things look bad, God is still in control. And when things look bad, God still has your life in the palm of his hand. When we find Joseph, he is at the ripe old age of 17. How many of y'all remember 17? Okay, it may take a minute because some of y'all got to think a long ways back. How many of y'all remember 17, that time frame in your life? Absolutely. For some of us, it's current. For some of us, it's not so current. But we find Joseph, 17 years of age, we find in this story that his father loves him more than all of his brothers because he came in life. Later in life, there's something about uh, children later in life. Paul and I, uh, you saw some of the pictures, and we're just kind of, we're a little bit proud. <laughs> I was going to show pictures on the screen this morning, but I didn't want to make y'all feel bad because she's probably the most beautiful grandbaby ever been born. <laughs> I know y'all have a different opinion. I understand. There's something, <laughs> there's something about when children come later in life, there is a value that is placed, and that's really what we see happening in Joseph's life, his father loves him because he came much later in life. He loved him so much, the story goes, that he made him a richly ornamented robe. Really, the robe was a sign of the father's love. Joseph was blessed in his father's home, but unfortunately, this special attention caused a lot of jealousy and a lot of hatred to fill his brother's heart. So the Bible says they couldn't even speak a kind word to him. One day while his brothers were tending his father's sheep, Jacob sent Joseph to check on his brothers to see how they were doing. When Joseph was a long way off, his brother saw him and began making plans this is a, a serious story. They began making plans. They didn't just dislike him. They began to make plans how they might kill him. Wow. wow. Now, I, I'm like you. I've had some folks in my life that didn't like me, but I'm not sure I've crossed anybody and said, uh, let's get together and have us a little meeting on how we can kill Jerry. <laughs> wow. Scripture records that his brother Reuben persuaded them not to kill him. Thank God for Reubens in our life. <laughs> they persuaded him not to kill him, but just to put him in a pit. After they placed him in a pit, 
story goes on and tells us there was a band of Ishmaelites that came through and his brothers sold Joseph into slavery to the Ishmaelites. When that happens, door number one opens. You see, Joseph had been wrong. He'd been wronged by others. He'd been treated poorly. He had been abused and neglected. They, they hated him, and this was the fertile ground of offense and hurt feelings. Listen, this, this is his own flesh and blood, his own family. Next, we find the Ishmaelites take Joseph to Egypt and there they sell him again as a slave to a man by the name of Potiphar. And the Bible tells us that as long as Joseph was in Potiphar's house, everything that Potiphar had prospered to the point that Potiphar put Joseph in charge of everything in his house. Everything. One day Potiphar's wife took notice of him. Why is that important? The Bible says that Joseph was well-built and handsome. He would have been on the cover of GQ magazine. <laughs> he was well-built and handsome, and as a result, it caught her attention. And the Bible says she tried to entice him to go to bed with her, but the Bible says he refused. It's been often said over the years that she was able to get his coat, but she couldn't get his character. The story continues that when Joseph refused her, it made her mad. She then fabricated a lie to her husband Potiphar that Joseph had come in to assault her. And as a result, her husband is filled with anger and Joseph then is thrown into prison. Have you ever had a time in your life when it just seemed like bad things kept getting worse? His brothers start out by hating him. Then they're going to kill him. Then they sidestep. They throw him in a pit. You ever been in a pit? Boy, sometimes life gets that way, doesn't it? He's in the pit. He's sold to the slave traders. They sell him once again to make some money. He's put in a house. He's wrongly accused. He's doing right. He's in the place. God is blessing him. Now, everything gets turned upside down again. Door number two opens. You see, once again, he's wronged by others. I can't imagine. Often I've tried to think uh, about Joseph, I can't imagine the thoughts that are going through his mind. Left in a pit by your own family, carried off into a foreign land, everything there is foreign to you. The languages, the people, you want to talk about fear. Then he gets into a place and it seems like he's put in a good home and all of a sudden the tables get turned on him again. You know, I can imagine his point is this. I've been righteous. God, what are you doing here? I've been doing right. God, I refused her advances towards me. I, I refused her. 
How, when I'm doing right, can you allow me to go through this? He would have had the right to be offended with men. And the truth is, let's just be real for a few minutes, how great the temptation would have been for him to blame God. Not asking for a show of hands. How many of you ever blamed God when it wasn't turning out like you thought it would turn out? I've done all these right things, and this is how you reward me? I stood for righteousness, I refused the sin, and this is the answer I get? I thought you were good, God. Now we find him in jail. The Bible tells us that the warden began to take notice of him. And God once again caused Joseph to have favor in the eyes of the warden. Joseph didn't see the end result of all this, but I can tell you God did. And you may not be able to see the end result in your life, but God does. I want to encourage you today, don't allow the enemy to sidetrack you. There's going to be many times in your life you're not going to understand the whys. Why did that happen like that? Why did it happen to me? Why am I going through this? Just remember this. You can trust Him. You can trust Him. He's still in control. You can trust Him even when you don't understand what's going on. I don't know how long that Joseph was in jail, but the storyline continues and it describes it in this way. It just says, sometime later. I'm sure it was a lot longer than he intended. Quite a period of time is going by, and as that time is going by, door number three opens up. And it opens to potentially sidetrack this young man. The word says in chapter 40, as we continue through this story, that the king's cupbearer and the king's baker displeased the king. That was one job you didn't want to be in and displease him. If at your house somebody makes a meal and you don't really like it, how many of you know you just kind of get over it? If you were the baker for the king and you made him blueberry muffins and he really wanted chocolate chip muffins, your head is probably going to roll before the day is over. How would you like to have been the cupbearer? It wasn't, you see, it wasn't like the cupbearer was this guy who just, the king said, I'm thirsty, and the cupbearer went and got a cup and said, here you are. That wasn't what it was about. The cupbearer was the guy who would take the first drink, and if he didn't die, then the king knew it was safe for him to drink. How would you like to be in that role? Yeah, this is, this is the career I wanted my whole life. <laughs> you are one drink away from death. The Bible says the cupbearer and the baker displeased the king. And as a result, 
put into prison as well. When they get there, there is a young man they find by the name of Joseph. Sometime later, again, we don't know the exact time, but sometime later, they both have dreams. And when Joseph found them, they were both dejected. They were both discouraged because no one could interpret their dreams. But Joseph was able, through God, to interpret the dreams. The cupbearer's dream was in three days he'd be released from prison and be put back in place. The baker's dream was that in whew, was in three days he was going to be hanged. How would you like to have to tell that story? <laughs> okay, I got two of y'all right here. I just want to tell you, Kirk, you're going to be blessed, 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 blessed in three days. Kim, I got to tell you something in three days. It's not going to be such a blessing. <laughs> so he tells them the story, gives them the interpretation of the dream. Genesis 40, verses 4 through 15. Tammy, you probably found that as an error. <laughs> I love it when I type wrong things in my notes. I'll read it to you because it won't be the right one if it's what's in my notes. Joseph says this to him, but when it all goes well with you, remember me. Show me kindness. Mention me to Pharaoh, here's the words, and get me out of this prison. For I was forcibly carried off from the land of the Hebrews. And even here, I have done nothing to deserve to be in this dungeon. Wow. How many of y'all ever felt that way? Joseph didn't see this as the journey to fulfill the dream God had given him. All Joseph saw was his brothers bowing down to his sheep, and it looked like a great story. Now he's wondering what happened to the story. Joseph didn't understand what was going on and didn't understand, hear me, that all of this was in the plan of God. I do not have time. I do not have time, but I think it bears a moment to mention. Sometimes God is going to be at work, and you're not going to understand it. In fact, you're going to think God is against you. God, listen to me, is always for you. God is always working for the good in your life and in your situations. You see, you and I see here and now, God sees the big picture of it all. What Joseph doesn't understand, these are parts of the journey God has him on. So we find in the story the cupbearer is released. But when he gets back to Pharaoh, he completely forgets about Joseph. Genesis 41 and verse 1 describes it this way. And now two full years had passed. Wow. 
How many of you know when God is doing something, God, let's get it over this week? The only way the other scriptures defined it was some time past. Now we find two years has passed. Door number four opens up. And the door says, maybe God has forgotten about me. After the ordeal with the cupbearer, Joseph spends two more years with the opportunity to be sidetracked, embittered, and angered. Think about it, friends. He does something good for somebody else, and yet this seems to be how he's repaid. We move forward in time. We find that the Pharaoh has an alarming dream. He is unable to find anyone in the kingdom. All of his experts, no one is able to identify and interpret the dream, and that's because God is the giver of it. God also reveals. The cupbearer hears about this dream the Pharaoh's had. And two years later, the Bible says he remembers Joseph and he tells the Pharaoh about him. And as a result, the Pharaoh had Joseph brought. Joseph interprets the dreams. And as a result of him interpreting the dreams, he is promoted to the highest position in the kingdom. Everything in the kingdom of Egypt is placed under Joseph's authority. Now, I don't know about y'all, but about that time I'd be going, okay, God, now you're catching on. You're a little late in the game. But he still doesn't see the dream, the fulfillment of the dream that he had while in his father's house. It's not until there's a famine that comes into the land. And as a result of the famine, the Bible tells us, and, and that's why I really want to encourage you to read the story, because there's no way that we have time to walk through all the passages of this story. But what we find is a famine comes into the land, and that's actually the interpretation of Pharaoh's dream. And God had put Joseph in the right place, and we don't see the fulfillment until the a famine comes and as a result of the famine Joseph's older brothers are forced then to leave their home to come to Egypt to buy food for their families and he begins to see the vision that God had given him when he was 17 years of age begin to unfold the dreams that Joseph had as a young boy were now being fulfilled his brothers had come down to Egypt and as they came, he's the highest in the land outside of the Pharaoh. They couldn't have come into their brother's presence without bowing before him. When that happens, door number five opens up. It's the door of vengeance. You ever felt vengeance? You ever felt like you wanted to be vengeful? It's, I know it's Sunday. It's okay. How many of y'all ever been mad at somebody and wanted to get them back? Just be honest. I have. And you can, you, you can even get the story. You see it. Man, it's going to be good. Can't wait to watch. And this door wide opens wide open for him because 
let's be honest, if anybody has a right to be vengeful, it's Joseph. Can you imagine? He's the highest in the land. He can speak one word, and it's all over. Remember, in the beginning, they wanted to kill him. Now he has the opportunity to kill them. Joseph is faced with an opportunity that could have sidetracked him. And I will tell you, you and I will continue to face doors that could potentially sidetrack us. You see, here's what happened. It had been so many years. His, brother didn't, his brothers didn't recognize him, but he recognized them. This could have been a great time for vengeance. This could have been a great time to pay them back for all the years of torment, all the things in the pit, all the things in Potiphar's house, all the things in the prison he went through. This is my opportunity. You don't even know who I am. Wow, what an opportunity for vengeance. Had Joseph allowed the enemy to wrap him in a cloak of bitterness and unforgiveness, he would have been ruined in that place. He could have had them killed. He could have chosen to pour out a cup of vengeance on them for all they had done. But once again, we find this word in Joseph's life, and it was this, Joseph refused. 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 I refuse to let vengeance take control of my life. I refuse to let hatred. I refuse to let unforgiveness. I refuse to let bitterness. I refuse to let the doors that have opened in my life. I refuse to let those doors have way in my life. You see... The refusal to give in to temptation and sin is a cord that runs through the life of this man named Joseph. The Bible tells us in the end, he tells his brothers who he is, and they are reconciled. The dream doesn't go past that point. His vision that his brothers would come and bow before him is now fulfilled. In this situation he chose the right thing instead of his own personal gain or loss God finally gave revelation and he finally understands I want you to hear this part he understands years later the whole story I want to ask you today will you continue to be faithful to God even if it's years later. Will you continue to serve God? Everybody else leaves. Genesis 45 really brings this whole story to a climax. Genesis 45 verses 5 through 8. This is Joseph. He's talking to his brothers. And now do not be distressed, and do not be angry with yourselves for selling me here. Let's just stop right there at that part. 
Now, I think you and I would both concur. It would be difficult to say those words, wouldn't it? Listen, you see me in this place, and you probably feel like, can you imagine the thoughts that must have filled them when he said, I am your brother Joseph? Uh-oh. Wow, this could get bad. (laughs) He says, don't be distressed, don't be angry, don't be bothered, really, with any emotions of all that you've done to me. Notice the passage. Because there's a bigger reason. I want to tell you, because didn't get revealed to him until the end. That's a big deal. Some of you have been walking through things and you don't have the because yet. You're still in the prison. You're still in the place of being falsely accused. You're still in the place where uh, everything has, the the tables have been turned on you. He says, because it was to save lives that God sent me ahead of you. For two years now, there's been a famine in the land. And for the next five years, there will not be plowing and reaping. Key words right here. You got to pick up on them. But God. Notice this revelation. But God sent me. Wait a minute. I thought his brothers sold him. I I thought Potiphar put him in jail. I, I thought... The cupbearer and the baker forgot. Wait a minute. But God sent me ahead of you to preserve for you a remnant on the earth and to save your lives. By a great deliverance. Last part is so important. So then it was not you who sent me here, but God. Wow. Let me tell you something. That'll mess up your theology. When everything that we hear in the world today is that God's only going to allow good things to happen in your life and that nothing, no difficulty will ever happen in you, Boy, obviously, they've not read the story of Joseph. God had a bigger purpose for Joseph than Joseph. God has a bigger purpose for your life than you. Boy, this is one of those, there's just, I really need the Lord's help because there's so many things you can say and I don't want to keep you here till supper. Your life is not about you. One of the challenges we're facing right now in our culture is everything is about me. 
It's about me being liked. It's about me being loved. It's about me being comfortable. It's about me having things. It's about me experiencing things. And if you haven't picked up on yet, it's about me. Not you. It's about me. It's about me. It's about me. It's about me. And when we when we're locked into that thought process, a story like this will mess it all because you're like, where is God? I thought God was only going to make me feel good. He is. It's just going to take some time. God has something bigger for your life than you. Jesus. That's why he calls us to serve in the kingdom because it's not about you. It's about the others. Dear God, help us in the name of Jesus. Friends, we have gotten locked into a culture that is so selfish and so self-seeking. I'm going to bypass, I'm going to get off here for a minute. We've come to the place where church is about us and not about God. We come for the show. We come, and if, if the singing wasn't just right, we go home and, well, I really didn't get much out of it today. Well, the good news is it wasn't intended for you to. It was intended to give glory to Him. And, well, the preaching, man, the preaching, he, well, we all know. <laughs> we have made it out to be like our experience when we go to Walmart. We've made it like our experience when we go to Texas Roadhouse. If, if the steak's not just right, we send it back. I wonder how many times y'all want to send back the service. Can we do that again, please? That wasn't very good the first time. <laughs> That's the culture we live in. And if you get engulfed in that culture when this happens, and I don't know if you'll be a Joseph or not, but if it does, it'll mess your theology all up. And you'll be sitting back going, where is God in all this? I will tell you this. I don't know if I'll ever understand. And you may not ever understand. But God is on the throne in heaven. God has always been on the throne in heaven. God will always be on the throne in heaven. And God is not dictating the world around you and me. But God is dictating the world around his plan and his purpose and his agenda. God has an agenda in all this. You know, I am not an end time kind of prophecy kind of teacher. I leave that with the people that that's their gifting. That is not mine. But I can tell you this. How many of you know everything in the world today is not pointing a good direction? But how many of you know it's got to get rough before it gets better? We've got to have some prison time before we get to the palace. Why does that happen? I'll be honest with you. I don't like that. I kind of want America to still be the land of the free and the home of the brave and everybody have a job and everything's going good and everybody got a new car and everybody going out to eat and everybody's got a good retirement and everybody's got everything. I kind of like that. But it can't get better until it has a season of getting worse. And if I'm all considering myself in it, then I'll miss what God is doing. And if you're only viewing your life about everything is about you and it being good and good and good when it ain't so good, yeah, you're not going to know what to do. 
Doors of opportunity open for you. Doors of opportunity open for me. They open for every one of us. And the enemy's goal is to sidetrack you and to get you and I off the mission, to get ourselves off the process that God has for our lives. Some of you have experienced hurts and disappointments, and it's, it's been sidetracking you. Some of you have been sidetracked by your past, and the enemy constantly says you will never be anything. You'll only be known for that. You'll only be known as a failure. You'll only be known as somebody who gave in and gave up. I would tell you this in the name of Jesus. God says, I've got a name for you nobody even knows anything about. And it's reserved in heaven. The enemy's trying to sidetrack you through sickness sometimes. You know, when you feel sick, you just feel sick. You know what I mean? When you feel sick, everything's wrong. When you don't feel good, everybody is wrong. When you're going through difficulty, all you can think about is poor me think you can that's what I feel sometimes and all of those opportunities are there to sidetrack us and I will tell you this the enemy will do his best to get you off track the enemy will do his best to get you off track listen your goal listen when we talk about destiny let me I just want to talk for a minute on this because this is the thing that through all the process of preparing for today the Lord spoke to my you know, we talk about destinies, and we talk about all these great things God wants to do, and all that's wonderful. I want to talk to you this morning about the best destiny, and the greatest destiny of your life is to live for Jesus Christ. That is your number one destiny. That is your number one goal. That is your number one aim. All the other things don't matter if that doesn't happen. And the enemy wants to get you away from Jesus. The enemy wants to get you away from walking with him. The enemy wants to get you sidetracked. The enemy wants to get you thinking God doesn't love me anymore. God doesn't care about me anymore. God doesn't want anything to do with me. I'm going to tell you the Bible also says a lie. He is a liar and the father of all lies. So so if he's telling you you'll never be those things, we really just need to settle into, Lord, I thank you that I am that because the devil's telling me I'm not, which means I must be. Amen. The enemy wants to get you off your destiny of walking with Jesus. And this world is a prime door and opportunity for that to happen. I want to encourage you this. Don't let the enemy sidetrack you. When I was a kid in church, we used to sing a song, and some of you will remember this song. It was a very simple song. It wasn't fancy. It wasn't on the big charts, but it had great, great meaning, and it was these words, keep me true, Lord Jesus, keep me true. Keep me true, Lord Jesus, keep me true. There's a race that I must run. There are victories to be won. Give me power every hour to be true. That's your destiny. Some of you have been discouraged and felt like giving up and throwing in the towel. Jesus, keep us true. Some of you have been saying sometimes, what's the use 
keep me true, Lord Jesus, keep me true. I'm reminded of the words of the Apostle Paul. While sitting in prison, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I've kept the faith. Keep me true. Lord Jesus, keep me true. Would you stand with me this morning? Father, in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Friend, if you are... Um, Whatever the situation, whatever the circumstance, you've been distant with God. You've been away. You've been uh, sidetracked. A door of opportunity is open and you've walked through the door. And you say, today my relationship with Jesus Christ is not what it could be or should be. Not what I was designed to live. Today's a day to return. And so right now with your heads bowed across the room and those that are watching online, I just want to take a moment right now and... And uh, it's time to return. It's time to return. I can't get away from those words today. It's time to return. It's time to return to Jesus. It's time to return to your first love. It's time to return to the zeal and the passion that you once served God with. It's time to return. With heads bowed this morning... Here's what I want to do. I want to lead out in a prayer, but I want you to pray your own prayer. And you know where you're at and you know the situation. And so, friend, it may be just that you say, Lord, today I return. I'm choosing to return to you. Choosing. And if you need forgiveness, he loves you. And the Bible says there's all the forgiveness you'll ever need is available for your life today. Father, in Jesus' name, Lord, right now as we stand in your presence. Father, I pray for those today, God, who have been sidetracked and those who have gotten away from you. Maybe those who are backslidden in heart. Father, the word I keep hearing today is it's time to return. It's time to return. It's time to return. It's time to return. So, Father, today as you hear people all across this room and Everywhere else that people are watching online. Father, today we're saying, Lord, we choose to return to you today. We return to that place of first love. We return to that place of relationship with you. Lord, would you forgive us? Would you cleanse us? Would you wash us? God, would you just uh, wipe away? Would you give us a clean slate today? Would you make us new? Father, I pray today in the name of Jesus. Pray today in the name of Jesus. You'll do that as they return. In Jesus' name. Amen. Would you just continue to keep your heads bowed? Just really, it's about just uh, an atmosphere of prayer. Some of you today have been faced with some situations in life. You love God with all of your heart. You are just like Joseph, and you love with all your heart. But, you know, in that passage, he said, I've been carried off forcefully. I, I, I don't understand why I'm here. Some of y'all are going through some things, and you don't understand why you're where you're at. You don't understand why God is letting you 
go through this situation. You don't know. You don't know why God hasn't stopped it. I don't know why God is allowing this to happen in my life. You say, today I need God's help. Heads are bowed. If that's you, would you just lift your hand and say, I need God's help today. I've got some things going on. Yes, yes, yes. I've got some things going on in my life and I don't understand what's going on. Yes, you can put your hands down after you've lifted it. I want to encourage you in this. Friends, don't give up hope. God is still on the throne today. God still loves you. He's not given up on you. I want to pray for you right now. And whether you lift your hands or it's just an act of your heart and you're just looking his way today. Father, in Jesus' name. Jesus' name. Jesus' name, I pray for those today who, like Joseph, are walking through things they never thought they'd have to walk through. They are facing some things that don't make sense to them, and it's not turning out like they envisioned that it would. They have experienced some things that have been very hurtful. They've experienced some things that have been very disappointing. They've experienced some things that they just can't believe that would ever happen to them. And Father, I think they've been in a place they're wondering, where are you in all this? God, I don't know how you'll do it, but I trust you to do it. I pray that you will remind them in only the way you can do for them individually, would you remind them you have not left them. You are still with them. You have them right in the palm of your hand. You've not let go of them. You've not given up on them. They have not failed. And you have not failed. Would you give them strength I pray in the name of Jesus. Lord, until one day we will see, we'll see the reason for the why. One day we'll understand why, why I had to go to the pit, why I had to go to the prison, why. Until that day, would you strengthen them, oh my God, would you Build them up on the inside. Would you remind them you're right there beside of them? I pray it in the name of Jesus. Father, help them to continue to be true. True to you. True to your ways. And true to your plan. I ask it all in the name of Jesus, amen and amen. Many things I can't tell you, and I will tell you there are many things in this life I don't understand, but I can tell you this, I believe with all of my heart, God will be true to you. God will be true to you and faithful. So today, if you are in the pit,
or you're in between, or maybe today you're in the palace. May he bless you and keep you. May he cause his face to shine on you with great love and compassion for you. May his strong hand keep your weak hand in his. May you remain in the gaze of his great love and tender mercy for you. When you are weak, may the blessing of his strength be yours. When you are confused, may the blessing of his word be a lamp unto your feet and a light for your pathway. When you've wondered where he is, may the blessing of the fact that he is the same yesterday, today, and forever encourage your heart. May you be blessed by his abundant faithfulness and tender mercies. In the name that's above every name. The name of Jesus. Jesus. I declare it over your life. In his name. Amen. And amen. God bless you all. We love you. We pray for you often. May the joy of the Lord always be your strength. God bless you.